They came from the morning, walking, not soaring, and of the sun's dawning, their coming was warning. Once harried many, now but a few, in Repilan but one, in Oakland but two, forgotten their meaning, and at a loose end, these harriers few, they have fewer friends. But in a hall of stone, this dark lord broods upon his throne, no credit on his foe. It's set to silent that after the four-day session, he may black bag alone. Hello, my name is Hugh Cooney and I am here to talk to you about the phenomenon that is the medieval fantasy epic known as the mustering of the Harrier or T-Moth. A um, bit like Lord of the Rings, L-O-T-O-R. It's got its own acronym. Um, why am I speaking to you uh, on this subject? Well, a lot of people have very irresponsibly been sending um, a lot of fan mail my way. Uh, just going, Hugh, oh my god, what, what's the mustering of Harrier? What is it? What is T-Moth? We love T-Moth. Why isn't it up online yet? And I'm like, just, just chill out, guys. You know, it's everything doesn't have to go up online the second you do it. Um... But what I would say is, please stop sending uh, fan mail. Uh, just, you know, digital, digital is good enough these days. You know, we've got to be responsible. You may ask yourself, why? Why is Big H sending us this podcast? Why is he casting this pod? Um, sounds a little bit like laying an egg of some sort. Um... But uh, I've, I've, it's not that I haven't done podcasts before. Um, it's just the, the world of audio um, holds um, no bounds uh, compared to what you can kind of make in video. So it feels right to kind of branch into this world um, and maybe just speak informally about just the things that I find interesting um, and some of the work that I've made down through the years and some projects that never saw the light of day, probably for good reason. Yeah, just to maybe just to, to air them uh, and let people know um, if they're interested, uh, what kind of processes have gone into making um, the bits and bobs that I've made down through the years. And... To make something new as well, um, and to explore the media of uh, audio.
The Mustering of the Harrier is a six-part miniseries. It is a medieval fantasy epic set in the time of now. And it is a collaboration between myself, visual artist Hugh Cooney, and filmmaker Charlie Doran. Now, myself and Charlie have been collaborating over the last, must be five, six years now, and uh, making various internet videos, uh, the most famous of those being the badass video of the guy bouncing on the bicycle. Um, and yeah, myself and Charlie were working away on uh, lots of different kind of video stuff. But then I, I had this idea um, on kind of coming to London and uh, I wrote the first draft of a script while I was fairly goofed out of it. I'd injured my knee and I was in bed for uh, two weeks and was consuming Oxycontin. But that's why it's so pure, trippy stuff. The stuff that I was writing is absolutely really out there. And that's what maybe why. Um, yeah, so myself and Charlie um, decided to drop everything else um, and make this, this, this epic. Um, now, it might sound absolutely mental, but it has actually been in production for five years. Um, there has, well, we shot the first episode five years ago in my apartment in Landmark Heights uh, with a green screen. Uh, and then we did have a kind of four and a half year gap between the first episode and shooting the other five episodes. But we decided just to drop everything and just fuck it, let's, let's make this thing. Um, we didn't have any budget whatsoever uh, apart from we kind of had our time uh, and a, a studio space. Uh, so we were just dependent on the very nature of the beast, the project itself. Every, the, the, the costumes are all homemade, um, the backgrounds are drawn. We, we do all the bits and bobs. Any of the visuals and stuff, uh, Charlie is pilfering from... Uh, Shutterstock and various other uh, resources online, so it's kind of composite uh, work of found items, including the props and digital and physical. Um, yeah, so we didn't have any budget, but we decided just to go for it, and all we had was time, uh, friends, and willing and some unwilling participants, and that we've done it, we've made this. The first series of The Mustering of the Harrier is there, it's made, and you can come and see it at a screening. The Mustering of the Harrier um, is a culmination of many different uh, things, my general interests down through the years and different projects uh, that I shared making with other pals. Um, and uh, some of those projects still ongoing. Um, so I suppose the best place to start would be, you know, my kind of childhood interests would have been, the main things would have been, you know, kind of drawing. Um, and, you know, we all play with cardboard boxes. 
um, and then just this kind of obsession that we have as boys often with with knights and uh, warfare so the idea being that <clears throat> um, a kind of I suppose if I had any philosophy with the work that I make, it's that you take the thing that you were really into as a child that uh, you really enjoyed doing. So you enjoy really just mad into drawing pictures of kind of battles and things like this. Um, you know, you're mad into, mad into cardboard boxes. I made myself a suit of cardboard armor for a play. <clears throat> and uh, it wasn't wasn't great. It was absolutely awful. But uh, at the time when I was wearing that cardboard box, I felt like I was wearing an actual suit of armor. Um, but the the philosophy of the work being that you go forward uh, and with your adult skill and uh, know how to kind of not give up on those things that you were really into as a child but to to nurture them even further with your newfound um ability and, and wherewithal so i suppose like you know if you want to build a uh, you want to build a, a tree house as a child your um you your your best efforts you head off and you, you go, oh yeah, let's build a treehouse like the one that we saw on, uh, on the television. And everybody goes to build a treehouse and it's absolutely shite. It's really like brutal. It's just loads of sticks leaning against a tree. And <clears throat> you, you just, it's it's never really good. Um, it's kind of revisiting that now. It's got like, now I'm going to build a treehouse. Um, and kind of... Uh, not giving up um, so I suppose that's what the, the mustering of the Harrier is a, a platting of all of those uh, concerns of mine as a child into the one so like you know you're kind of playing knights uh, it's, it's green sc screen and the backgrounds are all drawn it's kind of fantasy colourful world um, but put together now as a, a 34 year old man um, and uh, that is I suppose in essence what the, the mustering is and people do wonder what the Harriers are in general now the Harriers are an organisation um, that exists uh, worldwide, the International League of Harriers, and it is a project um, spearheaded by Tom Lynn and myself. Um, and it is actually an ancient organisation that we uh, uh, brought kind of back to life, and it is flourishing uh, globally at the moment. Um, there are, I think, there's coming up on about. 4,000 members now at this point but uh, I couldn't be held to that um, there's a large remediation program going on <clears throat> in an attempt to try and 
pin down all the various members of the organisation, but people, uh, you can, you, there are probably Harriers listening to this right now, they're out there, they've got their titles, please do get in touch. Um, so, yeah, so that is an operating organisation, uh, civil organisation um, and military organisation that operates in the modern day. Um, but this project, the mustering of the Harrier, any great uh, organisation or movement has its own kind of propaganda or um, philosophy. And um, what I wanted to do uh, in my interest in myth and and legend uh, was to create a, a myth uh, of the Harriers, a modern day myth, a myth in the time of now. So to try and kind of mythologize that time in in which uh, the Harriers, the modern day Harriers were formed, or maybe not even, but just a version of those events. And that's what the mustering of the Harrier is. It is <coughs> um, a mythology uh, written by me uh, of that time, which is now. But it's set in a kind of medieval uh, mythic context so you've got the modern world overlaid with this kind of archaic uh, medieval notion now this this kind of these ideas come from um, various different things there's Ralph Bakshi's The Wizards in which in the future after nuclear war these kind of the people who come to life in the kind of the badlands the wastelands where the nuclear war was become kind of orcish uh, and then the people in the more natural places where there wasn't so much uh, fallout become these kind of idyllic elvic elven type people so it becomes a kind of lord of the rings type scenario but m- miles in the future and they don't really know about the past and they don't have any technology the mustering of the Harrier, I, I suppose, in that context, could be looked at in 500 years' time if we had nu- had nuclear war, but they, they rebuilt themselves back up, and they were looking at this time, and they had overlaid a kind of medieval sensibility uh, onto this time. So they're finding iPhones, and they're finding loads of kind of remnants of cardboard and plastic or whatever. And then they put it all together all wrong. They imagined the, the historians of that future time put it all together in such a way that, um, you know, they have everybody speaking in a ye olde medieval way, uh, but, you know, with fax machines and uh, landlines and that, that type of thing. So that's kind of what the mustering of the Harrier is. It's a kind of... Um, a, an additive process of slapping one thing on top of another um, and uh, just going with it and trying not really um, pairing anything back. A good reference for concepts like these is uh, the History from the Future series. Uh, that's from artist Carl Giffney, who's operating out of Waterford at the moment. So I can hear you screaming at me across the internet. Cut to the chase! 
Um, well, the mustering of the Harrier, in a nutshell, it's nights with smartphones. Um, that's it, really. And that is an ongoing joke that never gets old. Uh, you can milk that till the cows come home. As you will find, if you have seen the mustering of the Harrier, uh, or if you intend to see it at some point. The mustering of the Harrier is a, a kind of mythology of sorts, um, but uh, it's also, it's exploring kind of notions of national identity and patriotism um, and, you know, being, having moved from Ireland to London, be it a small jaunt, it uh, carries some baggage uh, in that sense. So it, it was something that I, I wanted to explore. Um, and uh, I did this through, I, I had an interest in mythology, uh, which I actually got from working in the National Leprechaun Museum, which you may find amusing. Um, it was part of my life, but I was actually um, a member of staff at the National Leprechaun Museum in Dublin, um, which is actually an amazing folklore resource, um, despite what you may think it is. Uh, I was a tour guide there for about a year, um, and uh, it gave me a great interest in uh, folklore and mythology and that took me on to other resources um, one called Story Archaeology um, with uh, a researcher or uh, an expert on ancient Irish literature uh, Isolde Carmody and uh, I can't remember and she, she uh, works as a storyteller I can't remember her name um, and they just examine uh, ancient Irish texts um, and kind of draw out the meaning for, you know, things about <coughs> what happens when you, or like about the mistreatment of women and then how that's a kind of precursor to the, the land going to, uh, to ruin. And these are very, very ancient kind of concepts and the stuff that they cover um, it's not, you know, when you go and look online, you get all these Irish stories kind of uh, and myth mythology kind of regurgitated or even like kind of um, 18th and 19th century translations, which were done by kind of the English gentry. So um, uh, it's all the Carmody is is translating these things directly now herself and she's taken some some better kind of meaning from them but yeah they, this these are the kind of interests um uh, that brought and some of the themes that I wanted to explore within the mythology of the mustering of the harrier um and another th and in a historical context as well looking at Finn Dwyer uh, has another has, has a podcast uh the Irish History Podcast and his Norman Invasion series and that's very interesting to look at the, the complexities of the Norman in, Invasion and how you know you had Irish kings going and inviting them to invade in order to kind of get back on their 
thrones and there's all these millions of different kings and how it's hard to look at it in, in a national context and um, you know I just wanted to kind of examine those different things and the, the mustering has many kind of petty kings and, and kingdoms and uh, power dynamics <clears throat> uh, to, try and, to try and kind of mirror that but in a very silly silly way Though the project uh, has been underway since, you know, kind of conceptually since like 2011, it suddenly became incredibly relevant in the in the climate of kind of European cessation with with the advent of Brexit in the midst. So it just felt very relevant. This ancient theme that. It's obviously always happening worldwide, but then it's, it's starting to happen again here uh, on our doorstep. It's set in Hackney, East London. Uh, which, Hackney, which is ruled over uh, by Lord Sparrowhawk, Lord John Sparrowhawk of Landmark Heights. He rules from a tower, which is a tower block, um, and he rules with a soft embroidered glove um, nobody has seen any violence in Hackney in in time immemorial no one can even remember it um, though many vestiges of the violent time remain um, and he does a good job of it Lord Sparrowhawk and he's really really nice but he's he's like he's a bit like a, a kind of dad character who's uh, struggling with um, not being able to use the fax machine anymore uh, because nobody will sell him uh, fax toner online he can't get his hands on on any uh, despite the insistence of all of his families that nobody sends faxes anymore um, and could you you trying to set up his email on his phone and stuff like that but he's Kind of stuck in his ways, but he's very nice. Got a heart of gold, and um, he's a truly lovable um, and nice ruler. But he has many people manoeuvring around him, and he seems unaware. The numbers of the Harrier in this world are dwindling. Um, there is Lord Sparrowhawk, who we discussed, but there is also his nephew, who is a newly arrived expat from. Rep Ireland, and he is uh, the impetuous Gerald Tyrrell, and he is, or Tyrrell, um, and he is, he's got something to prove. He's, he holds some titles, um, uh, one of them being uh, of assistant manager um, in a local pub, and he has pledge his undying allegiance to Lord Sparrowhawk and he'll do whatever he he wants him to do within reason um, and yeah so he's just a he's got something to prove he's he's he's, he's just arrived over and um, he doesn't know where he fits in and that's it it's 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 a tale as old as time also there's a third Harrier, a mysterious guy who's who's living in in Rep Ireland. We don't know much about him. Um, he's said to be 
very tired. Uh, he was uh, said to totally overdo it on the session over about 10 years. Um, just really, really just too, went too far with it. Um, and now is uh, living in the Midlands in, in a tower in the middle of, of Offaly. But nobody's heard from him for ages because he's, he's got his phone set on silent. And um, yeah, he's got no credit either. But we're not in Ireland for this series. The idea being that this, he, this, one of the things surrounding the thing is that it was like, you know, when you're reading The Lord of the Rings and you're, you're looking at these kind of fantasy, kind of epic scenarios, you're like, I, I, I was reading it and I was like, oh, why can't I be? Why can't I have my own fantasy epic? Why can't? So that, that's one of the drives here as well. Like you're creating a, a fantasy epic. Uh, that could go on time immemorial you know it, it, it could you, this first scenario is, is set in East London but it could very well lead to another English invasion of Ireland or something like that so let's listen to an excerpt from Timoth Timoth is uh, what all the fans are calling the mustering of the harrier now we go to the holier-than-thou, Gerard Tyrrell, calls in on his uncle, John Sparrowhawk. Uh, he's busy at work in his sunroom. Um, but yeah, these personal meetings are almost unheard of in the modern age when uh, he could have maybe contacted him digitally. Uh, so Gerald knocks in to Lord Sparrowhawk. In a time of old, in a time with great sorcery and strange technology, the mastering of the harrier. Command you, send stupid computer. <laughs> Jared Turrell, me bay. <laughs> what is it that you couldn't just have dropped me a text or something? Saws, my lord Harrier. I had to see you in person. Well, I graciously accept your saws, me bay, but what could be so important? It's just that. It's just. Come on, out with it, me bay, for the Borough of Hackney will not lord over itself. But since my arrival here from Rep Ireland, you have sorted me out big time. <laughs> I haven't done much for you, have I? You have. You put me onto renting my flat here in Landmark Heights, for which I pay a modest monthly rent, really considering how prices have shot up in the area. Well, me bay, we are the last of the remaining Harrier. Me, you, and your brother Richard, who abodes in Reparland. And let me tell you, my bay, that I have bristled with pride watching your key lanyard grow in size and prestige. You, you, you're really proud of me? Yes, me bay. Now reveal your bunch of keys to me 
and tell me how you came by such responsibility. <laughs> there, nothing really. Go on, Mipe. Give us a look at them. These keys. Yes, Mipe. These are the keys for the pub where I work, where I've been awarded the title of assistant manager. Oh, a mighty title indeed, me bae. And these spare keys have been entrusted to me by my friend in case he gets locked out of his flat. Your key holdings grow by the day, me bae. They pale in comparison to your keys. Oh, would you stop me, boy? When I was your age, I'd half the keys that you weed. Well, look, we could shite on like this all day. But what I came here to say to you, I wanted to thank you. And I want to pledge my allegiance to you and anything that you would ask of me in the defense of this girl, I would do within reason. Mmm, kneel me by and let me bless you with my keys. Oh, yes. In harrying wow. we find meaning. In harrying we find meaning. Now go forth, me bag, and I'll get you. I'll get you on Facebook or something. Ooh, that's a bit of a cliffhanger. Ooh. To be continued. Exciting stuff. That was an excerpt from the mustering of the Harrier. Obviously, that's a bit of audio and it is a visual medium. So um, you have to read between the lines a little bit. Um, just a little something to allow you to wet your beaks um, and to let you know what to expect. Um, and yeah, so it, it, it's, we don't know where the story's gonna go, but it could go on for miles and miles. If you wanted to be involved, perhaps you could um, uh, pay us some money if you wanted an on-screen death or something. Um, yeah, like, I'd say about 100 quid. 100 quid to be a peasant and have your head caved in with a, with a laptop on, on screen. Sound good? Um, if you wanted to be a knight and maybe be the one who's doing the, the like, caving the skull, maybe it would be an ideal birthday present, wouldn't it? You know, 250 quid and you're, you're a kind of bishop um, and you're <laughs> stoving um, <laughs> a good pal's head in for, for his for his birthday on screen. Anyway, send envelopes to um, Landmark Heights uh, E50EN 106, flat 106. Um, but that, that's, I, I say that in jest, but that could very well happen. We don't know, we've, we've got plans. Um, but anyway, this first series of the mustering is almost, it's like the, it's the prelude to war. It's, it's almost what's, it feels kind of like 
some sort of there's something broiling in the world at the moment. You know, something's like not quite right. Something's afoot. Something's happening. So although I would tend to usually play every single character in every single video that I was attached to, um, this presented an opportunity to go much wider with the cast. And uh, over the years, I had been earmarking uh, friends for various roles. Um, and there's something in each of these roles that they're not roles that are are too far away from the person's uh, actual kind of background or, or, or personality. Um, a good, uh, well, a good example of that would be uh, Greg Spring, uh, who I'd worked with before in, uh, amongst a few other people, doing Loose Women in the Sugar Club, also doing uh, um, the Jeremy Kyle show. In the Jeremy Kyle show, we played this kind of, <coughs> a, a pig um, that was a kind of domestic abuser. It was a West Country pig um, who liked to kind of shadow box with his top off and his trotters. Uh, and from that character, I just kind of, I just imagined Greg in the mustering as this kind of West Country pig lord. Um, and from that, uh, I created the character for Sir Gammon de Couchon who is a kind of Norman pig lord and a law unto himself and leader, mysterious leader of the pig pull, uh, who are at odds with humankind because of their uh, use of touchscreen phones, which is almost impossible for a hooved animal to use. Um, there's a bit of bad blood there. Also over humanity's eating habits. Um, so Greg, that uh, Greg's uh, love of pigs and uh, previous pig role gave rise to that, and that came from a climate of friendship. And as did many of the other imagined roles, like for example, uh, Jack Olhan plays a character uh, very kind of close to himself, despite he he plays uh, being he's he's this kind of captain of the guards good friend of Lord Sparrowhawk enjoys a uh, cafe creme cigarillo from time to time on the roof of Landmark Heights with Lord Sparrowhawk um, but Jack yeah so he, he plays he's, he, he fluctuates between this kind of overly dramatic medieval speech but in his own uh, Dublin accent um, uh, also People who I worked with, I was working with this guy, Alan Bremond, uh, who's a French pop star poet who's living in East London. Um, we worked in a bar together and I always just wanted him to be the King of England. And I thought, what better King of England uh, than a Frenchman? Um, and he's got a very strong French accent, does a, a hilariously bad English accent. Um, so, all yeah, these, these are things that I, I kind of saw in, in, in pals of mine and I thought it'd be just great to kind of attempt to kind of bottle those natural things and to, to put them on screen. And then 
even other people who people who had never kind of acted before, um, <clears throat> the likes of Darren Murray, who's like a standout. He's a he's Fitzer. He's the kind of self-loathing uh, Irish butler to the King of England, um, and. Darren, having never acted before, is just one of the standout performances in the in the whole thing, um, and has to be has to be seen. Um, he's absolutely brilliant. Another another beginner as well. Uh, Blaw Farry, the the troll queen. I don't think you really have to be an actor to be in the, in the mustering, and it's kind of composite, uh, kind of thrown together nature allows for you you can get away with murder absolute murder also other roles that kind of even haven't happened yet um i was chatting to emma Kerwin and suggested that perhaps he could be this poetic uh tala feudal lord um who kind of you know speaks in in uh tala slang but in a, in this kind of epic medieval way, kind of like the way that that Jack does. Now that's obviously has not happened, but I don't know, Emma, if you're listening, uh, perhaps it's around the corner. Um, but yeah, maybe that will happen season two. Who knows? So developing these roles and the idea of the project is to work with loads of different people, but to mainly like work with loads of friends who you have so much fun with and you you know have uh, amazing uh, sides of their personality to show um, and it's 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 all done in the spirit of good fun God you're probably saying at this point Hugh you're talking about the mustering time immemorial how do we see the mustering well that's a very good question because you cannot see the mustering online. It's something we've decided not to do, is to put it up on Facebook or YouTube or anything like that. Um, the only way that you can see the mustering is by live screening. And we have premiered the mustering in Zoblin uh, alongside District Magazine and Shock World Service. And that was amazing in the hangar. Um, and we've screened it in London and also in the Schiebein Fleek Film Festival in Berlin. It's German premiere. But these aren't just screenings. There are some serious live elements incorporated into this that we, we've, we've put together from our show. When I say we, I am obviously talking about um, expert film guy Charlie Doran, who I've been working alongside for the past six years or so. And we worked on a badass show, uh, and there are lots of live elements from that that we've wanted to implement into the screening, so that it was more of a thing than just going to watch this film. And we, in the same spirit of making the film, we also, depending on where we are, we recruit different guards. Uh, so we we recruit guards from the area so we've had some great guards uh, from the different areas um, and the guards are there to reprimand the the audience 
they're there for that reason to, to enforce them and it, they, they serve both a theatrical and a very real purpose. Um, and that is if you're disturbing your fellow patrons within the screening, you will be punished. Um, and punishments go as far as <laughs> one of them. Uh, it's very cruel. We make you route through a large box of cables, a miscellaneous box. We've all got one of these box cables at home. And you're just like embarrassed, thrown down on your knees in front of the rest of the audience. Like, find a Samsung charger out of that lot. Go on, see how long you last doing that. Bet you can't do that for too long. It's pretty cruel stuff. Um, and we don't like to have to do it, but that's the kind of thing that, that happens. Keep your ears pricked and your eyes peeled for these impending screenings of the mustering of the Harrier. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to say this now, yeah? And to anybody who is attending one of these screenings, I have to say, um, uh, just so we are actually sponsored by uh, Pizza Ristorante from Dr. Outka. So anybody who is attending any of these screenings will receive a slice of authentic uh, Italian pizzeria quality pizza from Dr. Utka. Um Is that okay? Um, so please do come. And to any of my other friends out there who haven't been mentioned or involved, I'd like to say a very big thank you to yeah. them too. Um, Okay, right, right, okay, in conclusion. So, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to me sitting here in droning into this microphone on my own for the last while uh, in this, in what I can only describe as a gorgeous penthouse apartment here in London. Yeah, I just felt that uh, it was right to, to spill the beans on the topic, <laughs> pardon the pun, is in relation to a former piece of work that I made involving beans. Um, but I thought it'd be good to inform you via this podcast, and perhaps this could be the start of many of these um, drone into the microphone um, over the next while. And who knows, maybe, maybe not, but there could be more stories, ancient Irish folklore, um, perhaps discussing shelved projects such as Barnaby the Talking Dog um, and Fritzl the Musical. Who knows? Um, but uh, don't wait up, but maybe. And on that note, I've got to go because uh, my Uber is actually uh, waiting outside and I've got a 5.4 rating, which is actually really good. Um, uh, but if you're familiar with Uber, but I'm not sure... Uh, is there Uber in Dublin? Okay, sorry. Okay, got a, got a shoe. I'm rambling now. Okay, thanks everybody, and I'll see you next time. Peace out from the H bomb.